So I overheard this conversation between two women, um, but I got to warn you, so you might want to hold on to something. Um, the truth is, I'm a little cynical, so even when I'm overhearing a conversation, there's a conversation going on in my head. And one woman says that she's from Hawaii, and she says, in Hawaii, we have 27 different words for rain. She says, but we have no word for time because we just always live in the present moment. And this other woman responds by saying she's Native American. And in her language, they have no word for goodbye because they believe everybody's always connected and that I'll see you again. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, technically, the word goodbye does not mean I will never see you again. It really just means God be with you. But it doesn't mean I'll never see you again. And you get what the women are doing, right? They're, they're having this competition, like, who is the most woke person by, you know, in my native language. So because I'm a cynical person, I wanted to say, um, I'm Irish. And in Gaelic, we don't have a word for sober, but <laughs> we, we do have 27 different words for BS. Um, and what they're doing is total BS. Because um, it's, it's, you know, it sounds spiritual, but you know it's really just ego. It's like, I'm just a little bit better than you because our, our native language, it's a big lie. And really, I'm insulted that you think you're being spiritual. You're being an egoist. It's all about you when you play these stupid games of who's more important. Um, so, like, I mention that because all the readings are really about the way of death, that you have to kill your ego that that leads to life and community. We don't spend our time trying to prove that I'm a little bit better than you. That's the way of destruction. The way of life is to die to your ego. So um, in today's gospel, Jesus says, for the th well, he says three times totally in the gospel, where he, he tells his disciples, his apostles, he says, listen, um, I'm going to be hated tortured, uh, crucified on the third day, rise again. So he keeps repeating this to the apostles. He'll say, um, you have to take up your cross and follow me. He'll keep saying this. And their reaction afterwards is always woefully inappropriate. Um, he tells them he's going to suffer and die. And then they start to argue who's the greatest. Uh, or like... It's kind of like if a mother told her children that she has terminal cancer and will die soon, and the children argue, well, who's going to get the house? You know, that's just grotesquely inappropriate. Well, disciples do the same thing. And Jesus, just to show what we're supposed to become, he takes a child and puts it in the middle and basically says, this is what we must be, you must become. What does that mean, a child? Like, I, I tell you what I think it means, that if you take up the way of the cross and you die to your ego, 
then we do really become reborn as these children. And I'll give you an example. Uh, back at Holy Apostles, um, we built a school, St. Ignatius, huge school, 500 kids. And it was kind of amazing to me because you would go over there and like one wing had the kindergarten and first grade and second grade. And I tell you, if you're feeling bad, you want to go visit them. Um, they make you feel like a million bucks because like the little kids, when they see you, it's like, oh, hi, hi. Like <clears throat> they just get excited. And they do this thing that um, like, I don't know the psychological term, but I call it popcorning because they see you and they start to jump up and down. Um, like none of you people have ever done that for me. Um, and the thing that amazes me is that for those kids, they want to love you. I mean, they, they don't even know how cynical I am. And they just want to love you. No offense, wouldn't it be great to go through life as that? All we have to do is kill our ego. And if, like, St. Ignatius, you go towards, like, the seventh and eighth graders are, oh, gosh, that's... There's, like, a cloud of gloom over there. Um, no, it, and I get it. They're just so insecure that they, they're so worried about themselves, they can't really focus on loving other people. Um, the sad part is, what if you forever stay a 7th or 8th grader where you're so beset by your own insecurities, you always have to prove you're a little bit better, then you can't love other people. Even like at Holy Family, um, I went there for a mass with uh, kids, and the cross-bearer, He's standing there stoically, and there's this like first grade kid, and he's just waving to the cross bearer, uh, which is just so adorable. So I said, I think that kid's trying to get your attention. He says, I know, it's my younger brother. And he's <laughs> like, the younger brother is so thrilled, he's seeing his brother again. <laughs> it's like a Labrador dog, you know. Um, and you know, the junior high kid is like, he's embarrassing me. Uh, why can't you just, why can't we just love like that? Because our ego gets in the way. So, in the gospel, why does Christ, especially in the gospel of Mark, keep mentioning the cross? Because if we can die to ourselves, what we have is life and love. Well, most of the time, most of our lives, we're just arguing about stupid stuff to see who's a little bit better than somebody else. Um, that's what we spend our time doing. So I love the analogy that along, he mentions that, and then that along the way, that's our lifetime, we start arguing about stupid stuff that doesn't matter. Like in my language, there's 27 words for rain. Um, just to show that we're a little bit better than somebody else. And then when they get home, Christ says, what were you discussing along the way? Now, you know the real home is heaven, right? So when we die, Christ, you know, Christ will stand before us and ask, what did you discuss along the way? It's not like this teaching about the cross is that difficult. It's not tough theology. You take up the way of cross and die to your ego, and we really love each other. It's not beyond us. It's easy to get. The problem is we'd rather spend our time bickering and proving that we're a little bit better than somebody else. So, one time or another, all of us will have to answer the question before Christ, 
What did you discuss along the way? And the problem with ego, uh, making yourself the center, is that it turns companions into com competition. It turns friends into enemies. That, you know, if you're a little bit above me, you're my enemy. And the problem is there, there is no unity. Why shouldn't we along the way? Why spend our time without? Why not along the way we really die to our egos where we can love other people? And now, I'm going to offer you a criticism, so once again, hang on to the pew. And I don't mean to be mean, I'm just being honest. And that is, like, at my former parish, it was huge. Um, we had literally ten times the people of St. Pius. There was nine to 10,000 parishioners in just that one parish. And that means there's as many people in that parish as there are in northern Idaho as Catholics. I mean, it's amazing. And there was pretty much this sense of unity. But then I come up here, and I really love it up here. But I'm kind of shocked for the population that there's all this kind of competition on who's the better Catholic. And in some ways, we're like the two women saying, oh, in my language, there is, you know, there is no word for goodbye. Just trying to best the other person. Um, that's a silly discussion along the way. I, I don't have to work at being better than you. I just have to work at being a better me. And it just seems like there's a lot of silly competition, even in the Catholic Church. Why not die to ourselves? And the thing about it is, you die to yourself, and what you have is success. And I read this book. I thought it was a really good book. It's called Good to Great. Anybody read that book, Good to Great, about nobody reads here? Oh, one person, one person. And oddly enough, she's sitting on this side, the side that doesn't watch movies. Um, so did you like the book, Maggie? I thought it was amazing. So, but I thought the book is a great analogy towards life. What the book was, was um, they researched why are some companies great? And they researched uh, a huge number, 1,400 companies. And they reduced it down to 11 who were really great. And those 11 uh, had, there's a bunch of criteria. One is that um, you had to increase the value of the company three times. The best company increased it 10 times. And it wasn't just a flash in the pan. You had to have 15 years of success, uh, consecutive success. So the odd part is, well, what makes for a great company? And I'll tell you the answer, but think about this. It's not just a company that becomes great this way. It's a marriage or a parish or a sports team. It's all the same thing. And they noticed many things, but one was the leaders. With the leaders, um, there's two traits among the leaders that have to go together. One is an, an indomitable will that you have to aggressively want the most. Uh, so you want to take the company to the next level. You really want to work at it. So if it's a marriage, I put marriage, you want to have a marriage that lasts for years where you really love each other. If that's your goal, you need to be aggressive about it. But, and this is a big but, but the leadership team also practice humility. That's a shocking part. 
They were aggressive in wanting to improve, but they were also selfless, that they never made the company about themselves, that they could stand criticism. You're welcome to criticize me. Maybe I'm not doing it right. That they never put the self first. I think that's absolutely amazing. And those are the companies that succeed. But isn't that true of everything in life? Like marriage. If you might want to have a great marriage, but if your ego is out of control, good luck having a good marriage. One person will always be in competition with the other. Um, the way of the cross, whether it's business or marriage or even a parish, you die to your, your ego, and then we can really love and have unity. Then we have great success. Uh, we don't have to be competitors. We can be companions. So uh, that's the way of the cross. And um, so, like, for us, um, I don't have to be better than you. I just want to become the best version of myself. We don't have to play this silly game of who's better. Why don't we just help each other become the best version of ourselves? And in the Gospel of Mark, um, it's all about the cross. Got to warn you, because it's going to keep coming up. It's all about the cross. You die to your ego, then we're united and love each other. That's what we should be discussing along the way, is how do we die more to our ego so that we can love better and be more united? And I don't know if you notice, the world is in a bad situation. And the more the wor world is at its worst, the more it needs us to be at our best. In the Gospel of Mark, the only way to become your best, Mark keeps repeating it 27 different ways. It's the cross, it's the cross, it's the cross. We take up Christ's way of the cross, we die to our ego, then we can have great success.